Hello, welcome to NBA Unwrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. Welcome to our Kawhi Leonard and NBA Summer League Edition podcast. This episode is brought to you by FreeAgentsOnly.com. Check out their clubhouse full of free agents when they launch in a couple of weeks. Get off the sideline and get in the game. We'll be asking a trivia question on our Twitter page. If you answer that question correctly, you can win a Free Agents Only t-shirt. So check that out at NBA Unwrapped on Twitter. If you're listening to our podcast, you can listen on the Apple Podcast app, or you can also listen on SoundCloud. If you're on the Apple Podcast app, make sure that you leave us a rating and a review. So let's just jump right in, guys. I'm Perry Aston, joined by Christian McGowan and Corbin Weinerman. Say hi, guys. Hey, how y'all doing? Hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in. Super exciting day for us. We all woke up in the NBA community, and Kawhi Leonard was a Raptor. So we got a lot to talk about today on top of the fact that NBA Summer League is finally over. Exciting as it may be for us being Lakers fans, we were hoping for that back-to-back championship, but at least we got back-to-back MVPs. A lot, very exciting Summer League. It seems like it's getting better and better every year. So let's just jump right in. Let's start with some Kawhi Leonard news. Going to the Raptors. Wow, guys. I just want to hear your initial reaction before we talk about who won the trade. I just want to hear... What you guys thought when you woke up? Did you expect this? Did you? I know the Raptors. We talked about on our last podcast. There was some small interest and some buzz around the league that they were in consideration for him. So we did mention that about last week. But is this a surprise to you guys? Yeah, I feel very surprised. I always thought that that was maybe a smoke screen that the Spurs had given out trying to jaw the Lakers. But obviously, it's real because Kawhi Leonard is going to Toronto. So I did not think that. This would happen. I wouldn't put money on it, so thankfully I didn't put any bets in Vegas. How do you feel, Corbin? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just weird that he's up in Toronto now. I we'll talk more about who won the trade and stuff in a second, but like my initial reaction. So I was up late last night. I have a little bit of a cold, so struggling to fall asleep. And Adrian Wojnarowski sent out a tweet. I think it was like one thirty in the morning our time, Pacific time. Um, talking about how the Raptors and the Spurs were pretty much close to a deal on uh, trade centered around Kawhi Leonard for DeMar DeRozan. So I kind of had an idea waking up this morning that that was going to be, that was going to have happened. That was going to be the big news. Um, it was, but yeah, it's it's still just so weird. The Spurs, I guess we can just jump right into um, who we think won this trade between the Spurs and the Raptors. I think this is a pretty good trade for both sides because when you look at it from the Raptors' side of things, yes, LeBron James is out of the East, so the East is a little bit more wide open, but still with a core centered between Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan, were you ever really going to be a serious threat to win the championship? I don't think so. I think with Kawhi Leonard, you take that gamble and you're definitely a better team for this year if Kawhi Leonard is healthy and plays for you. Um, but moving forward, I mean, if they lose Kawhi Leonard in free agency, then that's not the biggest blow in the world because then they just get to rebuild a little bit sooner than they would have. If I, I guess I, the uh, scary thing about this is that it seems like the Raptors are in some sort of win-now mode, and I get it, but they fired the coach of the year. They just traded away their only superstar, sorry, only star that they have. And honestly, I don't see the direction of this because I get that Kawhi Leonard – you know, might fill seats this year, but Chris B. Haynes from ESPN, probably about 10 hours from right now, right before the trade was ever official, he said reports say that Kawhi Leonard has no interest in playing in Toronto. And not that it was his choice, you know, getting traded, 
but you obviously put a player in a place that he doesn't want to be. So how invested is he really going to get? You have one year, you know, with Paul George last year, when he got traded over there, it, there was a lot of buzz that that was the only place that would actually hurt the Lakers' chances of, you know, signing him. And that's the case because he got put in a really good situation that he wanted to actually be in and experiment with and see how it worked out. Imagine if Carmelo performed at a higher level and the three of them were actually exciting. He would have 100% stayed there, and he just believed in Russell Westbrook. So you see how he, you can buy into a place in just one year. But I don't see that being the case for Kawhi Leonard. His head coach is Nick Nurse, and I'm not going to sh you know, shit on him or whatever because I don't know a ton about Nick Nurse. I know that I guess you could consider him a player's coach. I've, I've read some positive things about him in different articles, but he doesn't have the reputation that you would be hoping for for a win-now team. And you just fired the coach of the year who, of course – LeBron James is just his kryptonite, of course, in the playoffs, but really it doesn't matter anymore because he would have been in the East and LeBron James jumped West anyways. The Raptors are just full of bad decisions because Kawhi Leonard has zero chance of staying there in Toronto. He doesn't want to be there now. I'm sure he doesn't like the cold. I'm sure Drake's influence can only do so much because of the fact that Kawhi Leonard's personality is pretty bland, so it's not a really good fit. All I'm saying is this isn't a very good move from the Raptors' point of view because I guess you can just blow it up whenever Kawhi leaves. But you kind of just gave up DeRozan, who's on a pretty good contract right now. At least Super in, loyal yeah, to the franchise. and he's super loyal. Let me just read a quote really quick from him. He pretty much said, because they told him he wasn't going to be traded. They actually went out of their way to have a discussion with him and lock him in, tell him that he wasn't going to be traded. Two weeks before in Las Vegas. Yes, in Las Vegas. And a quote he just put out, I believe it was today, he said, can't trust him. Ain't no loyalty in this game. Sell you out quick for a little bit of nothing. <laughs> I quite. I guess on his Instagram. Yeah, I guess Kawhi Leonard's a little bit of nothing. Because to be honest, I saw a tweet from Lou Williams and a lot of other players that were upset about this too, saying, "Can't believe like you did my boy like that." Traded him for practically nothing. I, these can, players continue to call Kawhi Leonard nothing, which I think is crazy. But if you're looking at it from a long-term standpoint and saying, "What did you get back?" for DeRozan, who would have put his heart and soul and has done that for this franchise. You're getting a guy that doesn't even want to be there. Who knows if he even plays? And if he does, who knows if he even plays hard? And you know he just wants to go somewhere else next year. He, reports still say that he wants to go to L.A. And this has just been one big chess, chess battle that at this point, the Spurs kind of won this. The Spurs definitely won this trade, if you're asking me the initial question. Because, one, they didn't trade Kawhi to the West. That was the one thing they didn't want to do. And they didn't want to give him what he wanted and just put him on the Lakers with, you know, LeBron James. Right now, you know that you have zero chance against the Warriors. If you put Kawhi on that team with LeBron, you have zero chance against the Lakers, too. There's no point in stacking that up. You sent him, you exiled him to a country. Let me read this quote from Stephen A. Smith, which I think is hilarious. This is what happens when you only play nine games, but you act like you played 82. You get exiled to another country. Kawhi may be big time, but evidently not big enough due to their uh, to, due to either reputation, representation, or something to land where he wants when he wants. Enjoy Canada for a year. See you in L.A. eventually. That whoa, that's a pretty hard quote from Stephen A. Smith, and I think it's hilarious. So yeah, he's not happy, but. Do you honestly think he's not going to play this year? Do you honestly think he's going to take that chance? No, I, I don't think that, that's going to happen. There's all the reports. Um, there was a report by yeah, Crispy Haynes saying he had no desire to play there, and 
someone else also reported that there were indications that Kawhi might sit out. Nothing's come directly from him saying that he's not going to play. And I think it makes it even less likely since he was injured last year. The only way that he can reasonably sit out, because there's a clause in the NBA's collective bargaining agreement that says that if a player decides to sit out just because they don't want to play when they're under contract with the team, that team can release that player. And the only way that that player can sign with any other team is if the team that released him says it's okay. So Kawhi Leonard... If they say, if they say it's okay. The, 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 the only alternative to that would be him saying that he's injured so he can't play. But he already missed last year. Is he really going to make it look like for two consecutive years he was so injured that he could only play in nine games? No, That's do, not do you, good do you for you him. Your, do you care about your reputation? Do you care about endorsement deals? Do you care about That's your the big future? Thing. Do you, you care about any of that? You have to care about that, and you also have to care about Kawhi Leonard's one of the best players arguably the second best player in the NBA when he's healthy but if he hasn't been healthy for two years yeah he probably still gets a max deal from someone but it wouldn't be shocking if teams are just so scared from him having this freak injury for two years if he doesn't play this year to where no one is comfortable giving him a max deal um that would be understandable so I just I don't see that happening I think yeah, he's not too happy right now to be in Toronto. I still think that was a good move for the Raptors because I think that their roster, as constructed before this trade, they weren't going to beat the Celtics. They probably weren't going to beat the Sixers this year. This Kawhi Leonard trade it gives them a chance to beat those teams this year. And yeah, I don't think that he's going to re-sign with the Raptors. Okay, but so so a, a question a, qu- a question that I have, Corbin, a question that I have then, are the Raptors the favorites in the East? To win the East, at least in the regular season? Well, regular season, probably not. I mean, if Boston has another injury play here, maybe, but I think the Celtics pretty much have that wrapped up because even if Kawhi Leonard is healthy for training camp at the start of the year, it's still going to take some time for him to get chemistry with them. But in terms of favorites to make it out of the East in the playoffs, I'd say I wouldn't go as far as to say that they're the number one favorites, but I'd say they're co-favorites with the Celtics right now. I agree. Uh, I mean, my personal take, I think the 76ers would beat out in the regular season. I think they'll come in second. Me and Perry before this did our one, two, three, four of the Eastern Conference. I had the Celtics number one, the 76ers number two, the Raptors number three, and the Pacers at number four. So that's my personal take on it. How I feel about the trade is I'm not as optimistic as you guys. I feel as if it's almost a lose-lose. Um, Kawhi Leonard, I don't see him re-signing. So you gave away one like your most loyal max player to get nothing in return when Kawhi leaves next year because they're not going to win a championship with him in this next season. So you get to be competitive in the East, maybe make it to the finals to get smacked by the Warriors in four games. So good for you. In the, Sp- in the Spurs, they're just prolonging the rebuild. Now they're going to push off a rebuild into the post-Popovich era because with DeMar DeRozan on that team, they're also not going to beat the Warriors. And they're also not going to beat the Lakers. This is this is something that Christian it, and I talked about earlier, though. That's the thing. I don't think Popovich is a rebuild coach, and I think that there's no reason to rebuild right now. You already... I don't think they are the type of franchise that you need to completely do a quote-unquote process or completely blow it up. 
at least right now, with Popovich, they're a well-oiled machine regardless of who's out there. I actually have a quote from DeMar DeRozan six months ago. Somebody asked him a question before a game that they played the Spurs, and it's pretty much, does DeMar DeRozan think the Spurs are going to be vulnerable tonight without Kawhi, Manu, or Ruby tonight? And he said, with Greg Popovich, the way he orchestrates and puts guys in there, he can put five y'all out there and coach y'all to some type of victory. He's very high on Coach Pop. He's obviously very high on the Spurs. And the fact that they drafted decently well with Lonnie Walker and bringing in a guy like DeMar DeRozan, who's going to be a perfect mentor for a guy like Lonnie Walker. And you got, you know, DeJounte Murray, who's already the starting point guard for that team. They already are progressing their young players with while still being in contention to win. And you still have DeRozan with a few years left on his contract. And obviously he feels pretty hurt right now. There's quotes around the entire league and just him very publicly. He's not happy at all. And going to the Spurs, no, it's not exciting, but you're coming from Toronto. The only exciting thing you had was Drake. And yeah, I guess the North is cooler than it was in the past since, I guess, Vince Carter and T-Mac. But still, you're not going to the most exciting destination anyways. You're going to San Antonio, which is still awesome in a basketball term because you get to ride out a couple years left with Popovich. And, but I think that's going to be a good thing. And when you got DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge as your two stars, that's not a bad team. And you are you know got Murray, Lonnie Walker behind DeMar. you got other players that you're filling in there too. I, I really they're not bad, but they're not going to be but anything just, better than the fifth seed in the West. But I'm just saying right now I, you need – I think that they could be higher than the five seed. I I, I think they could, I think they're going to be the four or the five seed. That's what I think. It's and it's really going to be depending on how good the Lakers are going to be this year. And that's something we can talk about later too. Because I'm not quite as high on this initial year as some people are. Because I know that this is a three or four year plan. But still, I it really depends on where they kind of finish in the regular season. And then you got There's, a team like the Pelicans, who you got to watch out for also. So you know the West is going to be tight and. The top end, it's going to be even tighter to try and make the playoffs with the, you know, the Timberwolves, who we'll talk about later with with Butler. If they still have him, you know, they'll be fighting for the eight seed. And the Nuggets, who have gotten better, we'll talk about them in a second too with Isaiah Thomas and other things like that. So it's going to be tight in the West. But really, at this point right there for the Spurs, <clears throat> why would you knock yourself out of contention right now while you still have two years of Popovich or three years left of Popovich when? You can prolong this rebuild. You still can keep people in the stands. And who knows? DeMar DeRozan, this isn't like a one-year rental where they're trying to sell San Antonio to him. They, yeah. they, they got him locked in. So he, him and LaMarcus Aldridge, and if you continue to add young pieces on top of Murray and on top of Lonnie Walker, I actually see a formula for this rebuild while still winning. And that's something that franchises really can't do, but the Spurs aren't just a franchise. That's the Spurs. They're so deep. The the only negative thing you've heard about them is how they handled Kawhi Leonard's rehab. And you know that there's so much more to the story LaMarcus than And LaMarcus Aldridge wanted out the and, year before. And he, uh, LaMarcus Aldridge wanted out, had, and Popovich changed his mind. And he's one of the most dedicated players on this team now, and he's an all-star. So, yeah, and that was surprising when that happened, yes, but it immediately got fixed. And you can't say the Spurs are perfect, of course, there's going to be some things that happen. And Tony Parker leaving, he's not even the starting point guard anymore. So he needs to go to a place where he's going to have an opportunity. And Kemba Walker may not even be on that team for very long. So he may actually get some serious minutes and have to you know, mentor players on that team that they're going to try and bring in, like Graham, who they got in, I believe, the second round 
uh, from Kansas, who is supposed to be their third string point guard now, and he's going to be learning a lot from him. You know, Malik Monk, I know he's a shooting guard, but he's going to have a lot to learn from Tony Parker. So it's really, at this point, it's just kind of scary to think that the Spurs would have to go into rebuild mode, but I think they're doing a pretty good job with how they're handling it right now, and it's because you can't look at them like you look at other franchises. They're able to do this while still keeping themselves in a position to win, while still keeping their fans you know, in you know, in the stadium at the very least and being excited and keeping young players that they can look to the future for. But also a guy like DeMar in your team, it's he's an exciting player. I've I'm very high on him. I know I'm a little higher on him than Corbin is, but I I think he's a star and he's got a chance to be a superstar if he plays under Popovich in my opinion. And he's really just held Toronto on his back and he's been the only reason why they've been relevant. Tra you know, if you would have traded away Kyle Lowry and a lot of other pieces on that team, this would have been a really good trade for the Raptors when you have DeMar DeRozan and Kawhi Leonard together, but is a core of Kawhi Leonard and Serge Ibaka and Kyle Lowry anything exciting to you guys? Because it's not to me. Well, it's, it's more exciting than... For Lowry one year, for one year, for one year, let's repeat that. Is that it's exciting? More, it's more exciting than Lowry and DeRozan, and yeah, I mean, ideally... If the you think it's more exciting than Lowry and DeRozan? They were best friends. Kawhi Leonard doesn't even want to be there. Who, know, who knows how much he I plays? Mean, that's cute, but that's... If Kawhi is they all -stars out there... Year. They were all-stars together. If like, Kawhi Leonard is out there healthy, he brings way more to the table than DeMar DeRozan does, even if he has but that... For, but for one year, though, DeMar DeRozan was literally Toronto for at least another three years. Is this worth okay, it? Okay, but... It's, no, it's not worth it. Are the Raptors really going to do anything over those next three years? Are they going to do anything DeRozan? this year? The Spurs aren't either. Is this worth it? Are they going to do, do anything this year? Was this worth it? Because this seems like a win-now move. Because they're not going to have it, him for the long it term. So, it, with the Nick Raptors, Nurse as your coach, the writing, too. Was, the writing was on the wall for the Raptors. With DeRozan, they were not going to do anything with the core of Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. Lowry, I think, was already on the wrong side of 30. They weren't going to get any better. Last year was as good as it was going to get for them. Now they have Kawhi Leonard. And yes, this is win now, right now, because if they lose Kawhi Leonard, okay, they get to start the rebuild sooner than they would have if they had DeRozan. And for the Spurs, I like this for the Spurs. I know, Christian, you were saying that now they don't have any chance to beat the Warriors. I'll still give them a shooter's chance because when Kawhi Leonard was healthy, last time he was healthy and they were playing the Warriors in the playoffs, they were up 20 in the third quarter in Game 1, and then Zaza Pachulia takes out Kawhi Leonard. Yes, DeRozan isn't the same player as Kawhi Leonard, but he's still a very good player, and with Greg Popovich and... So, so you're telling me because they were up 30 points in one game that one time before Kawhi got hurt that they have a chance against the Warriors with the worst player? That's that's your reasoning to me right now. Because they're up saying, 30 points in I'm, one I'm game. Not saying they don't have. I, they have the same chance of me coming back and making it to the league. They have no shot. As their head coach, the best coach in NBA history, in my opinion, because they still have a very formidable roster, a roster that without Kawhi Leonard for everything except for nine games when he wasn't even full strength last right. year. And I'm not taking that away. I'm not taking that away from Greg Popovich, but the amount of talent they have, it doesn't matter if they have Jesus Christ at the helm commanding them, they will not beat the Warriors. Yeah, it does. It's, it's just mathematically, there's not enough talent there. I don't think that they will, but I'm not going to say that. Unless Popovich can get the sixth player because he's such a great coach, they can put a sixth man on the court while there's five. There's no way they will yeah, beat the okay, Warriors. Let me, let me chime in on this, guys. I Yes, I agree with you, Christian. 
No team in the league has any chance, 0% chance of beating the Warriors this year. As of next year, we'll talk then. The Rockets are still going to be good for past this year and still have their chance. Their, their timetable is still going to be open. You know, the Lakers, obviously, it's just going to get better and better. But some people are higher on the first year for the Lakers than I, think I am. The Rockets this are is a three or four year plan for the Lakers. But right now, this year, adding DeMarcus Cousins, even if he plays at 20%, it doesn't matter. You just had Zaza Pachulia on your team. It doesn't matter who's at the center position. You just got better somehow, and you're continuing to draft. You know, having Jordan Bell on your team from the prior year, continuing to draft well with Jacob Evans, in my opinion, especially adding a defensive presence there. So the Warriors are the NBA champions for this year. So when you put out a poll... Paul Corbin saying what is um, you know more likely for the Lakers rather you know a first round bounce or you know an NBA finals for this year you know the overwhelming winners for that it was surprising a lot of you guys thought it was going to be more likely that they'd win the finals this year no there's a zero chance that the Lakers are going to win the finals yeah. this year because there's a zero chance that any team is going to beat the Warriors this year in the finals now it's a zero percent so I know there's at least a 1% chance that they might get bounced in the first round because it's just not ready yet. And I'm going to take any chance over zero of beating the Warriors. So no, you guys are wrong. There's no chance that they win the NBA Finals. There's no chance that they make the NBA Finals this year because they have to beat the Warriors to get there. So you're going to have to figure that out. And yes, adding guys like Lance Stevenson, Rondo, JaVale, these are guys that are going to change the culture and this is going to be... Oh, you know, next year, and this will lead me to my next question: With how should the Lakers be feeling right now after this Kawhi Leonard oh, train? How, should they be excited? Should they be feeling comfortable? That, but then again, you keep going back to Paul George and NBA Twitter is going crazy right now, saying Lakers fans be like this because of the fact that we were all like this last year, saying Paul George is hell bent on coming to the Lakers, blah blah blah, all this, and now look at us now. I'm not saying that anything went wrong. You got the best, the Lakers got the best player in the world, but Paul George was supposed to join him and he was supposed to be the only guaranteed piece to be here and he didn't come. So why, you know, why would this be any different for Kawhi? And yes, I think it's a different situation, but that's what a lot of people are saying. So I'm going to ask you guys, how do the Lakers feel today? I think they should wake up just like I did this morning and feel ecstatic. I prayed that Toronto has the worst winter. Hopefully no one gets hurt, but they have the worst winter <laughs> that they've ever had. And, Ca- and California has the best spring and summer that it's ever had. Oh, it's going to be cold. Oh, yeah. If you don't like the cold, I have family in Toronto. Seriously, I've been there a few times. In the winter, you don't be, you're not there. My aunt goes to Florida <laughs> for the entire winter and then goes back up there, my dad's sister. You're not, you don't want to be there it's for it. the winter, so... It really, you can go up there right now. It's not too bad, but trust me, in a couple it's, it's months, the north. he's going to be hating his life. Because, you know, the offseason, you can come spend in California, but unfortunately, you spend yeah. part of the NBA season the, you know, the whole winter. So you're going to have to be, during those home games, getting your Range Rover, you know, through the snow to the yeah. stadium. You so. better get a pretty thick north face. Yeah, so I, I mean, like <laughs> Harry said, I think the situation is so much different than Paul George because there isn't another superstar. Well, I don't think that Kyle Lowry is anywhere near Kyle Russell Lowry's Westbrook. Kyle not a star. He's an he's, all-star. He's, he's an all-star, but he's nowhere near a superstar level, so you don't have that kind of recruitment factor involved. Oklahoma City is still a little little spit water on the map, but at least it is not snowing hellaciously there. And as I, don't, I don't see Kawhi Leonard going to OKC. There's no, no I'm just saying in comparison with Paul George's situation, oh, right, right, right. you know, Oklahoma City, it's at least more livable where 
if you're a Southern California boy and you go to Canada, you are so out of your element. Like, you know, I, you know, when I was in Louisiana, I felt that way. And, you know, the heat is a little bit better than the snow because when I'm in the snow, I am pissed off. I am angry. I'm trying to survive. So I think, you know, unless unless somehow, you know, they squeak in the NBA finals and somehow take the Warriors yeah. to six games, there's no way okay. Kawhi will let so, it. Brad, gonna stay. I know you keep saying Greg Popovich is the best coach of all time, Corbin, and I agree. Wait, give Brad Stevens some time. I, I agree with you. But I keep – I'm very vocal on that. I think Brad Stevens is currently the best coach in the league right now, and he's going to be one of the best coaches of all time at the end. So they have no chance going against a Boston Celtics team that made it all the way to the Easter Conference Finals last year and lost to a Cavs team that was only good enough to beat that team that just wasn't quite there yet, and that was just LeBron James outmanning that team. And look, so, I, I agree with you guys that – this is a completely different situation than the Paul George trade in Oklahoma City. Kyle Lowry is nothing like Russell Westbrook, not even close. But Christian, to your point about how when you're a Southern California boy having to go up to Canada, who was the person that the Raptors just traded? It was DeMar DeRozan. Where did he grow up? Southern California. And he loved it there. And I'm not saying that that means that Kawhi Leonard's going to love it there. I don't think that he's going to like it there at all, and I would be shocked if he ends up signing a long-term deal with the Raptors. But you just you never know. I think from the Lakers' standpoint, though, I think that, yeah, they should be very excited. Me, as a Lakers fan, I didn't want the Lakers to trade for Kawhi Leonard, knowing that we could just sign him in the offseason as long as he was willing to test free agency. And I thought that the best scenario for the Lakers, even better than them, even better than Kawhi Leonard staying with the Spurs for the whole year because just because of how stable that organization has been long-term with R.C. Buford as the general manager and Greg Popovich as the head coach, I thought it was in the Lakers' best interest for him to be traded to the Raptors where he was not going to like the climate at all. They had a good team around him, but not a great team. Um, Yeah, I think that this is the best scenario for the Lakers other than him being traded to the Lakers right yeah, now. Well, but I think you know, long term long term it's better for the Lakers because if they can give sign them, them in free agency, yeah. they still get to keep their young players together. Corbett, I totally agree with you and this is something that I pre- I at least tried to predict. I, I put out my bold predictions and I put Julius Randle returns, Paul George stays, and uh, Kawhi Leonard gets traded in some in some way. And so I got two out of those three right. But the reports are saying, despite Kawhi Leonard being traded to the Raptors, LA is still fully confident that they will re-sign Kawhi this upcoming summer um, via Rick Butcher. At the very least, this one report shows that he—at least the Lakers are going to sleep just fine tonight. I think and he didn't get traded to a situation that's good. No, they're not going to win the East. I don't think they're even going to make the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm very high on the Celtics. I'm very high on the 76ers, and I'm even I'm. Very high on the Pacers, too, so look out for them who are just going to continue to get better. So look out for those teams. The East is not... The Magic? Not, the East aren't even close. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say the Magic. But yeah, the East, isn't even clo- the East isn't even close to the West. But at the same time, don't knock the East completely. I think the Pistons are going to be a lot better than you think. And look out for the Bulls who are going to sneak in around the 8th seed, maybe, with how... Weak the will be uh, okay. We'll talk about just, that. Just we'll, imagine we'll if they have a little bit. If they but, have some sort of regular season slip and a first round bounce, Kawhi might as well just pack his bags on the way out and head yeah. Out. And there's there's no well, way. That's what we thought about 
Paul George. No, I, I agree. I'm just saying, out of your personal opinion, yes, it's a. It seems like a deja vu. I don't think there's any chance that he stays with the Raptors this no, year. I and I, I think this. Let me let me talk to you about this, Corbin. If they would have traded Lowry and you know Ibaka or whoever they could have put together with draft picks and everything, and traded that away, but kept Demar Derozan and Kawhi there, that would have been something we could have talked about, and I would have said. Maybe he might stay. That's actually a really good combo right there. Let's continue to add stars. pieces. Let's continue to add pieces. But no, Lowry and him are not exciting at all. Ibaka, you know, is not a bad player at all. But this isn't a team that's appealable, and they're not going to continue to bring in people to the north with Nick Nurse there when you couldn't, you know, do much better than you did with Dwayne Casey, who did a fantastic job there. So I just don't find this. In any way, Kawhi staying there, and he clearly wants to be in L.A. Don't be surprised if he signs with the Clippers or something, but just I know I can give you 100% confidence from me that he's not going to be in Toronto next year. That's what I can tell you about how the Lakers should feel about this, that they're still in this contention because this this isn't a good situation where we should be worried if you're a Lakers fan. But uh, If I'm Toronto, honestly, I I might call the Lakers and see what I can get from Kawhi (laughs) right now. Yeah, if... I think that Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka woke up this morning and they threw a party in the Lakers' front office. I I just think that this was, other than them obviously acquiring Kawhi Leonard now, this is the best situation for them. And talking about Kawhi maybe going to the Clippers, I think there's a better chance that Kawhi Leonard signs with the Clippers than he stays with the Raptors. Would you guys agree? Yeah, I, I gave it a 0% chance that he goes back to the Raptors, so I give him a more of a chance to go to the Bucks than stay with the Raptors, like because that's more than 0%. Yeah, I mean, I'll still give the Raptors a slim chance, but no, zero. I, there's a better chance that he goes to the Clippers. Yeah, I'm giving it an absolute 0%. Sorry to be that dude. Yeah, after the Dwayne Casey firing, I don't give their organization much... Uh, like hope, they're not very smart. Yeah, they like, just they're not like, the super confident. Sent away Dwayne Casey, then he won the coach of the year afterwards, and they just put away right. Demar Derozan, who's hurt, absolutely hurt. So that's what probably the Pistons it's, come. It's funny. Power. I just think it's funny. Toronto, and the thing is, Kawhi's personality is not going to mix with Drake quite as well as Demar's did. So he may be a Southern California boy, but he's kind of a Southern California robot. And the only emotions that he's shown in the past year is that I want to go to L.A. That's the only thing that we know from him. Other than that, who knows what's going on with his injury? Who knows what's going on with Kawhi Camp? Who knows what's going on with his personality? All we know is that he shared one opinion with the NBA community and that he wants to be in L.A. And that he doesn't want to be in Toronto, actually, because that's what other sources have said, too. So the only thing you've really found out is that he's got one thing in mind, and it's not this. And I'm just going to say that there's not the pieces there to sit there and convince him. The weather sucks, the coach isn't established, and the team isn't that great. But let's move on from Kawhi Leonard because, you know, Definitely had to hit that. It was an awesome breaking wake, news. This breaking morning. news. Waking up this morning and hearing about this finally. But that shows that you can never sleep if you're an NBA fan. They hit it at a weird time at night, and all the rumors, just like Corbin said, he couldn't sleep last night. But Woj hit him with a late night Woj bomb, letting him know that the Raptors are probably going to be acquiring him. It's it's so funny how this happens late at night, especially. But as a Twitter fan, it whenever it happens, you're going to jump right on, and no matter and that's what. That's why time, you love the NBA offseason. Exactly. That's why the offseason is so exciting. No matter what time of the night, something crazy can happen. Uh, but let's move on to a couple of deals that happened. Isaiah Thomas to the Nuggets, one year, a very low contract, vet, man. vet yeah, minimum. Late, late. Or veterans minimum. Yeah, the veterans minimum, and this, uh, I just, just, I guess he's taking a chance on himself, obviously. I think he's going to be a minimum player for the rest of his career, in my opinion. And I, it may be a mid-level exception, but I wouldn't ever waste more on Isaiah Thomas. He's got no reason. The only reason that he would have gotten that is if 
Boston appreciated what he did for the city and would have given him a loyalty contract. They did the complete opposite. They shipped him out of there, and it's been downhill ever since for Isaiah Thomas. Being on the Nuggets, I saw a player, I forgot which NBA player, tweeted saying, oh, my boy Isaiah Thomas is going to lead the Nuggets to a playoff run. How can you lead the playoff run if you're the backup point guard? Yeah. I'm confused. So, And how are you supposed to earn yourself anything more than at least a mid-level exception if you are the backup point guard on a team with a very young and talented back, uh, you know, point guard-shooting guard combo? And a very good team that's deep, I think, and they're going to make the playoffs, yeah, regardless if they got Isaiah Thomas on this one-year veteran minimum. So that's stupid. But I guess what are your guys' opinions on this? Because I really don't think he's going to affect the team very much, and I don't think he's ever going to be, get much higher than this in regards to a contract, which is sad. I think he has to treat this almost like a backup quarterback in football where you just go into practice, you know, you keep your head down, you you know, hold the clipboard, you do your thing. And, you know, <laughs> if there's an injury, then, you know, you step in and you're ready and then, you know, you get your time to shine. So I hope Isaiah Thomas can come in and carve himself out a role for the Nuggets. But getting back in that starting point guard position and getting that 20 mil plus deal that he wants is about the same chance that I give any team of being the Warriors this year. It's a 0% chance. But the probability that he can come in, show the ability that he showed in the past, and maybe get himself out of this minimum, and you'll maybe get himself seven, eight, nine, ten million a year, maybe. But I think that he is a talented player when healthy. You know, his size, obviously he's a mismatch on defense, and that's always gonna suck. But if he can really embrace coming off the bench this upcoming year and prove to teams that he still has it and that he's healthy, I don't see why he has to make the minimum every year for the rest of his career. There was rumors yeah. that there was rumors I, that he was going to go I, to the Magic, I and I would have been more excited about that. I would have been more excited if he went to the Magic, but of course they made that trade, and you know now they have Grant who's there and can actually play point guard. But Isaiah Thomas, if he would have signed early, he would have they would have made, probably not been involved in that trade, and Isaiah Thomas might have had a chance to start for the Magic. I was looking for him to bounce back this year and really put it all down on the table because he was so stubborn that he didn't want to come off the bench and he wanted to find the one starting role that may be out there. And I thought that was it. And I think he really screwed up his chances right now going to a team that has a very good young core. Yeah, but I think it's still it's a good situation. Well, not the ideal situation because obviously he would like to be starting. And you could debate if maybe he to be a starting point guard on a really good team that has good players at other positions – I agree with you, Perry, that I think going forward, the best scenario for him is making somewhere around the mid-level exception. His his situation in Boston was just so unique, and in order for him to have that kind of impact, you have to build a very specific team around him, one that is just built solely on defense and can cover up for him. And then offensively, we know what he can do offensively when he's healthy. He's a great scorer, and that for that reason, I think that he's best suited moving forward as a sixth man or seventh man coming off of the bench, just being instant scoring off of the bench. That was, that's um, that's, that's his only that. way of success. He needs to take yeah. Jamal Crawford no, and Lou Williams kind of point. And not even Lou Williams is all-around player. You have to take more of a Jamal Crawford at this point of his career where he can just come off, be a microwave for you, really score off the bench and add excitement. And that's the only thing that he should be looking to do. Because reports were that he was looking to start, and it was – it was kind yeah, of just like, get your head out of your ass, what are you doing? And, and, there's also report, and there's also reports two years ago that he wanted a max deal. And I think that brings up a Not point. Not even, I think that was a, what, I think that was a year ago. Yeah, he said, 
you set the Celtics needed to back up the Brinks truck for him. Yeah, yeah, that was for a year. I, I don't know if you guys saw on the Twitter they had the little mini things. Yeah, Shannon Sharp. God, that, that was so funny. funny. But that he was done over so wrong by the Celtics, and he was. That is just. And we were talking about it earlier. There was a segment on the herd we had watched about uh, when players are disloyal to their franchise. You know, they burn they. Well, what you perceive as disloyal, they burn your jersey. You have people like Dan Gilbert who writes a note to LeBron saying how wronged he is. But when these franchises do over someone wrong, like Isaiah, well, doing him disloyal like Isaiah Thomas, or doing him disloyal like DeMar DeRozan, you know, it's a business deal. So these franchises, they get they get this this shield almost to do this messed yeah. up stuff. While if a player does it, you know, Kevin Durant does it, oh, you snake, you cupcake, but... When I, when I think but about when a team does it, it's the business. Seriously, so if you want to make this a business world, if I have a coworker that wants to go somewhere, get paid more, and live in a nicer area, like the Kevin Durant situation, I'm not going to call you a snake. I'm going to wish my coworker I well. I literally just did that. I literally like, switched jobs a few months ago. Took a better situation right? for me. I you live say, in a better area now. I I left, did something for myself, and. Why would I have to be called a snake if you know right. if I got fired from the store? Uh, it, it would have been a good business decision because right. it's just business and how check, it is. Check but your I high school morality. It's not like you're going to the rival school across the way and you're playing for them now. Like we're adults now. We're trying to provide for our family. So if an NBA franchise can use that kind of logic, then why can't a player do that? It's it's yeah, we're, we're not snakes. Thing, it's a business decision. And same thing with players because I mean the Kevin Durant situation. There have been other situations where. Players have taken less money to leave the team they're on and go somewhere else. But, again, money is not everything, and you have to put your happiness above all else. As we've seen from how the Celtics handled Isaiah Thomas with kind of essentially making him play when he was injured, um, and then that really derailed the money that he could have made going forward. And then with the DeRozan situation being told, yeah, you're not going to be traded, and then two weeks later trading him, it's a business, and it has to be a business both ways. Players, when they're free agents, they have to do what's best for them. And that's why I think that over these past few years, for me especially, I've seen the way that teams handle situations with just making it strictly a business decision, which is fine. But then for players, too, if a player wants to leave a team and go somewhere else, by all means, go this ahead. Is, this is coming from Corbin, who still can't get over the Kevin Durant situation. No, that's, still, the, one still calls that's him a snake. the one situation where it's get just, out look, of here. I want you competing above all else, though. Any other team, I'm it's fine. A business. Though, it's a business, team. Corbin. It's a business, and that's it. That's it's a prime business. example right there with Corbin. He agrees that most... It all should be that way, except for for one situation. But in that yes. situation, it's Kevin still Durant a should have to work that job. He doesn't want to because you <laughs> think, think he should. Think about be this: Kevin Durant got drafted. No, no, Corbin, Corbin. You said happiness above all else, Corbin. Corbin, he got drafted by Seattle. They promised him. I actually heard this on a podcast today, uh, or something that we were talking about. Yeah, yeah. Um, we heard it. It was the, he got promised that they would be in Seattle for the long run. Build them a brand new stadium. They were in OKC. And he wasn't promised to be there and be the face of a complete relocation. Not that it was the end of the world. I'm just saying that teams do what's best for the teams. And at that point, he stick with it. He built if he built a complete fan base out there. It was him that built it. Then Russell Westbrook and James Harden came. But Kevin Durant was the one that started building that. And you can't blame him for when the time came. And it just wasn't... Obviously, the team didn't handle some things right. And it just was a problem right there with KD and Russell Westbrook. And he made the decision for himself. Went somewhere. He wanted to 
be part of something bigger than himself, add to a team. It's not like he joined like DeMarcus Cousin, who me and Christian both agree. This was more of a snake move than Kevin Durant because they are, they're going to win the championship no matter what next year, with or without DeMarcus Cousin. You they were going to with Durant. They, they won 73. No, 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 no. That's, what, that's what I'm saying. You can, we can have they that have debate. lost the finals, well, you, you can't say that when Kevin Durant came to that team, it didn't make them extra good. It didn't make them extra scary. It put them from yeah, one, of the, one, one, of, no, 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 one of the best teams of all time to definitely the best team ever assembled and people start calling them the Monstars. That's exactly what it was. They, yes, they became unfair when you want to think about it, but he made them good by, sorry, made them better by a significant amount compared to this one where DeMarcus Cousins can play 10 games. Who cares? He can just play in the championship series so that he can get his ring. It won't matter. They're going to win this regardless. He went and jumped ship. And Kevin not, Durant came in and won the finals MVP If you're going to compare which one's a more snake situation. But we're going back to you and your initial point, which I agree with. It's a business, and all of these players should be able to do what they want to do. And that goes back to last week's conversation of the fact that it's our fault because we pretty much write off a player's Hall of Fame consideration if they don't have a ring, regardless of if they were a competitor and they wanted to just compete. If they never won a championship, you look at that and almost discredit them. So players nowadays, at least at you know some point when they know they have prime and they see that injuries are just ending careers and people are taking one- and two-year deals, you go out and you win yourself a ring. You figure out the rest later because at this point – there's a lot of players that have had pretty good careers, and if they win a ring this year, we can have already have a conversation about Hall of Fame just because they have a ring and some players don't. That might have a more distinguished career. And you may have, what, respect for them in your own right as a fan because, oh, that dude grinded it out for 20 years with the team. It's not, it's not the same league anymore. And when teams are all the Dirk, time. Dirk Nowinski and Tim Duncan and Kobe Bryant are one of the last of the remaining breed. You see guys like... You know, and sorry, Manu Ginobili. You see guys like Tony Parker. He just left for a better situation for himself too, and he was supposed to die a spur. So all I'm saying is, it's 100 percent a business, and it needs to be looked at like just like that for both ways, players and teams. Yeah, you no, guys agree? I, I agree with that. Yeah, let's let's, look, uh, let's move on to some more business that's been going on with the NBA. So Jabari Parker signing with the Chicago Bulls, two years, forty million dollars with the player option for that second year, and also just speaking of business and good business decisions the Bucks kind of doing a favor for Jabari Parker when they learned that he was in discussions with the Bulls agreeing to just renounce his rights so to make him an unrestricted free agent so that he knew once he signed with the Bulls he was going there and didn't have to worry about the Bucks possibly matching it it also didn't deter the Bulls from possibly giving him the offer that they wanted to give him due to some skepticism of if the Bucks might match so um, I think that was a really good decision by the Bucks, just to show loyalty for him, someone who, yes, he was only there for four years, but um, was the consummate professional while he was there. Um, so, yeah, let's just talk about Parker, two years, $40 million. What do you guys think of that deal? With the uh, I like it because the one-year, $20 million, you check out how he's recovering from his knee injury. You see that. you see, He wants to play for his hometown team. I think this is a great story. The Bulls do a great job of bringing in their hometown heroes, um, Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade. Now you're bringing him here. So it's it's exciting to see. But at the same time, it hasn't worked out very well with you know Dwayne Wade and, and Rose. And I'm, I'm just kind of making a joke here. But I think Jabari Parker actually could work out. He's been kind of lost. And, of course, he's been very clear that the Bucks have done nothing but been good to him since he's been in the league and that shows again right here with them renouncing his rights so that he's able to freely negotiate his contract with his camp 
So I like this, and I like that it still gives the Bulls flexibility for the next year. If his if the year went well, and yet maybe he's still recovering from the knee, they can run it back for one more year worth the same amount of money, which I think is fair for both teams, especially since the Bulls have the money to spend. And they have the time. I'm pretty sure their average age for their starting lineup is 22 years old. It might be 23. And it's... It's actually going to be really good, and Jabari Parker, if he can play the level that everyone thinks he could be, if he can get back, he's, it's not an Achilles injury. This isn't where Corbin could have his you know, two-minute discussion about how it saps everyone of their athleticism and everything like that. This is one of, like a pretty normal injury, I hate to say it, but yeah. people recover from this all the time and become the same exact player. You know, Paul George snapped his leg, and he's playing just fine. So, you know, I'm... A, I actually believe in Jabari Parker, and I think this is going to be perfect for him because he's going to want, he's going to believe in the city of Chicago. He's from there, and this is going to be a young core, like you said, Corbin, with the Spurs, where if they would have made that trade, the young core could have grown together. This is the perfect example of a young core growing together. Their starting lineup, and I know that actually last week, I know Jabari Parker's a four, but Corbin actually said, you know, he can play the three. He really hasn't played the three, but their plan is to actually try and you know, play him at the three because at this point in the NBA, you can put a player anywhere. It's positionless basketball. But you have Chris Dunn at your point guard position. You have Zach Levine, who you signed. You have Jabari Parker. You have Laurie Markinen and Wendell Carter Jr., who I'm going to talk about in a second. That's a really good starting five to grow together. Think about them in two or three years. This is a team that if they can add, you know, a free agent piece here, a good draft piece here, you know, a veteran presence here, it's going to continue to get better and better. And their coach you know, runs a high offensive raid offense, and he's very exciting. And it wasn't like that before with this team and how it was constructed. They were playing more of a half-court ball, and now they can push the ball. They can shoot. They're young. They're athletic. They can spread the floor. Lori Markin and Wendell Carter Jr., my favorite four and five combo in the league right now moving forward in regards to potential. And I'm saying that at this point, the Bulls have something going. The Bulls have something cooking here. They have a decent coach, decent front office. A tad bit of flexibility with Jabari. Yeah, no, a bunch of flexibility. I, I really like it. And, yes, they had extra money to spend, so that's why they spent extra on Jabari Parker and extra on Zach Levine. But they kind of had to for Levine because someone was trying to pull him away. And think about where they'd be right now if he left. We wouldn't be talking about how exciting they'd be. We'd be talking about who the hell is going to play their shooting guard position, who David Nwaba. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at this point, this is a team that you're excited just strictly out potential. And with how weak the bottom half of the East is, this is my bold prediction of the podcast. Don't be surprised if they're fighting for an eight seed this year. Seriously, with how this... Oh, yeah. Year, no, I think they have a... Yeah, a so that's my sleeper team for who I think is going to sneak into the East because the Pistons are guaranteed to make the East this year. I promise you they're the nine seed. They have new coach there. They you know, have another year to develop together. Actually liked who they drafted. So the Pistons are going to make the playoffs. I promise you that. But other than that, you know, the bottom half of the East, I think the Bucks are going to be better than they were last year. And I think a former Buck, Jabari Parker, with the Bulls, I think the Bulls may make the eight seed. And don't be surprised, but that's my bold podcast right here on episode 30. Run it back when it happens. But uh, let's move on to Marcus Smart. It's not done yet, but reports that we put out probably about an hour ago. They are nearing him and the Celtics a four-year, around $46, $50 million contract in that range. So let's talk Marcus Smart. I'm going to ask you, Christian, about how you feel about him as a player, how you feel about him returning to Boston. (sighs) He's exciting off the bench. He brings that defense. He is. That number is going to put them a little bit over the cap, right, Corbin? I'm pretty sure. Uh, They're they're already over the cap. Yeah. So, I mean, it's 
I mean, it's not, if, like they, it's not like if they don't give him that money that they can go sign someone else. And you have to remember that Rozier is going to be a free agent next year, and so is Kyrie Irving. I would have been comfortable if they let him walk, to be honest. So I mean, would I. He's, he's a, great ple- a great piece to have on your team, but that, that number seems a little bit high to me, and the thing that I like about the Celtics is having that flexibility, having those players on those smaller contracts. And if you would let him walk... I wouldn't have been mad, but that number just seems a little bit high to me. I yeah, I, I, agree. I agree with you. I think, I mean, you're paying him around twelve million a year at that point, and yes, you have Kyrie and Terry Rozier who are going to be free agents next offseason. Rozier's restricted, so as long as the Celtics want to keep him, they will. Um, if they are able to keep both, then you're essentially paying Marcus Smart twelve million per year to be your backup shooting guard or third-string point guard. I look at him more as a shooting guard than a point guard, but I just think he's very limited. He's a really good defender, but other than that, offensively, he doesn't bring much to the table. He's not a great shooter, not a really good playmaker for others. Um, on top of Rozier and Kyrie Irving being free agents next offseason, that same offseason, Jalen Brown's going to be eligible for an extension, and you're going to want to get that done. Jalen Brown's a much better piece moving he, he's forward. Been, he's been an untouchable in trade the talks. The Tatum extension the year after. Him um, too. I think him too, if yeah. they sign him to this four-year, 46 or $50 million deal, whatever it might be, I think by next offseason, I'd be shocked if they're not looking to just I was just about to say contract that. for anything. That, and that's I, just, wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised either. And that's just bad that, it's, like I said, it decreases their flexibility, and if they want to get that flexibility back, they're going to have to take See, one of those is, coveted this is assets. What I, this, is what, this is what I expected and predicted to happen early, early, early in the offseason. I didn't expect Ariza to go to the Suns, obviously. I actually expected them to run him back with him. So I thought the Suns were going to be going after Marcus Smart to bring a little bit of veteran presence, to bring that defensive pit bull kind of mentality and I expected them to give him a one or two two year contract with some sort of option in there, and it would have been more inflated than this one just to see how he fits on that team. But I didn't expect him to go back to Boston at all. This is honestly a surprise for me. I thought, especially how long this has been, I really thought someone was going to at least put out an offer sheet for him, considering he was a restricted free agent. And if he was going to stay, he'd take a little lower number to try to be a part of a something bigger, yeah. and you know, at least a one or two year deal, and try and run this back. Clearly, they have a plan for him, but you want to keep yourself flexible in this kind of economy yeah, Mar- for the NBA. Yeah, Marcus Smart wins; he gets paid, and he gets to stay on a contender. Yeah, I mean, Marcus Smart definitely wins, and if they have to trade him, they're going to have to, you know, give up some sort of assets or something to tag along with him, considering they just gave him this contract. Yeah, Someone's behind him. Yeah, I think Marcus Smart to the Suns actually would have made some sense. Yeah. I would have liked that better than Ariza. Me Since too. Me too. Marcus Smart was a restricted free agent. The Suns would have had to give him at least a two-year deal, but I believe they could have done a player option or team option on that second year. I thought it would have been a lot more money than this too, because they had the money to spend, and this would have just been you know a one-year, a one plus one. You know, well maybe the Suns will appear at their similar to the Jabari Parker deal with the Bulls. Exactly, exactly, two two years, exactly. Um, A little bit less, but um, there were there was a report right around when the playoffs, the NBA Finals were wrapping up, that the Celtics wanted to bring Marcus Smart back, but they weren't going to go over $12 million per year to bring him back. So well, they, this fits, they are, this fits right much. in with what they were looking for, if that's what they want to do. I, I think it's too high, but um, if that's what they decided was the best move for them, then it looks like they're going to get what they were looking for. Yeah, I mean, he, they're going to be right around 12 for him. It's going to yeah. be in the 46 yeah. yeah. to 50 range. Hopefully they tag some sort of team option on there to get away from that. That contract, at least a LeBron deal, a three plus one at yeah. this point. 
But let's talk about 76ers trying to poach Daryl Morey from the Houston Rockets. A big reason why the Houston Rockets are so successful right now in the process, trying to bring him on. What are your guys' in this reaction? It got debuffed, uh, we're not quote-unquote, which means pretty much just got derailed, shut down. There's no way he wants to jump ship and go over there. I don't blame him. I think he's in a good position in Houston, and I don't think you want to leave something that you're a part of and that you're a big piece of. I don't know. Well, do you guys agree? Because I think this is kind of a funny storyline. And by the way, the 76ers need to hire a GM. By yeah. the way, they still have to use looks, class. Looks like the process is getting kind of desperate. Yeah. What do you think, Corbin? Do you think... Uh... Yeah, I... Didn't Sam Hinkie, I think he was part of the Rockets front office and he learned under Daryl Morey, I believe. So um, that makes that makes some sense. And then I also think if that's true, then why would Daryl Morey want to go there after they did what they did to Sam Hinkie? Because Hinkie set them up for success. Um, there were some people who were skeptical of Hinkie because he was more of just the strict analytics guy than really a basketball mind. Um, but yeah. yeah, I, the Sixers could do all they want with trying to get Daryl Morey. I don't see why he would have ever left the situation that he has in Houston to go to the 76ers where, yeah, maybe the 76ers have a brighter future moving forward. The Rockets are the better team right now. Um, but Morey has all of the freedom in the world right now to do every decision that he wants. And the they, Sixers they were, they were historically one of the best offenses out there. And, he's, yeah. and they made more three-pointers than two-pointers last year. He's doing things that haven't been done. And he has a roster that's set up perfectly for him. Why jump ship and start over? Especially yeah, with these two years that they've... Well, the four years they put into Chris Paul, but in my mind, these next two years are going to be his competitive Yeah, lock it up with Chris Paul. you got to run this, just run wait, this yeah, back. Wait. Run this back until it doesn't work anymore. Right. Ben Simmons is going to be young. Joel Embiid's probably going to be hurt, but he might still be there. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah that's... I mean, you look, you look at the offenses for the Sixers and the Rockets, and it's just stark contrast of each other. You have a point guard or power forward, whatever you want to call Ben Simmons, who cannot shoot. Um, you don't have point really thing with Philadelphia than you do with the Rockets. And Daryl Morey, it's not like just this past year the Rockets became a three-point shooting team. For the past at least two or three years, really ever since they got Mike D'Antoni there, they've been an offense that really values the three-pointer and tries to take as many as they can. And it seems like that's the type of roster that he's been comfortable trying to build. Now if he goes to the Sixers, I'm sure he would make different adjustments, but that's a much different roster, which is built a much different way from the Rockets. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think it'd be stupid on his part, and I obviously it got shut down. Yeah, the Seventy Sixers are reaching. Like, I mean, reaching. they they have to hire someone. So look out in the next week for them to hire their yeah, if GM. You, if because you have any GM experience, drop off your application. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I saw an Indeed ad. So uh-huh. if anyone wants to jump on Indeed or Zip Recruiter, you could probably put in a Philadelphia GM uh, application. But think, all right. But thinking of GMs, I think David Griffin, the formal. Former that's, GM of the Cavs, that makes a lot. Well, of yeah, sense. that's but that's what I said early in the offseason. I said they were going to try and get him and then go after LeBron James, yeah, and clearly yeah. they didn't play that card right because that would have actually been very smart on their part. Yeah, that, that made total sense. I don't know why. Yeah, but but it didn't, and so at this point, it's really kind of too late for the 76ers to hire someone that's going to change the culture completely, at least for this year. But they need to bring in someone to just run the position or at least promote someone. But uh, that's it with 76ers process talk. Let's move on from that. Yeah, they're o- a headache. Oklahoma City and Carmelo Anthony continuing to bring us rumors. Nothing's happening. 
officially yet, but there was something that broke just a few hours ago. Oklahoma City and Atlanta are in trade talks with Thunder targeting Dennis Schroeder and Mike Muscala. Mello would go to Atlanta, and the Hawks would, of course, buy out Mello. Atlanta would be looking to add assets to make Mello's buyout pretty much a wash, and getting rid of Schroeder is their number one priority. This has been well-known throughout this entire offseason. Them going for Trey Young, who is clearly their guy, and Kevin Huter as their point guard, shooting guard for the future. There is no room for him here. They went out and traded for Jeremy Lin in this past week as well for other reasons, but still, there's no room for Dennis Schroeder. They've already made the moves to move past him, so now they're kind of just looking for anything at this point, and if they can you know, use the fact that they have a lot of flexibility and get into and help Oklahoma City with their problem with Melo, I honestly really like this. It's a really good idea for both teams, and I, I know one of the, we have a few Thunder fans on our Twitter that like to engage a lot with us, and I was talking to them about, they said what about Dennis Schroeder and all them too. The Hawks, when this was first reported, this is now kind of the second report and it's actually heating up with players that added to it. Last time it was kind of just potentially Dennis Schroeder would be in it. But he was asking, what do you think about his fit there? I said, yeah, Dennis Schroeder is going to bring production and him in a new place is going to be good. But you are playing with Russell Westbrook there. That's may not be the best fit. I'm not saying it's not going to work. I'm not going to predict that now. I will. But it may, it may not be the best fit. And you got Paul George there too, so... Who knows? I think at this point, you added Carmelo there. He took, what, 16 shots a game and shot like 30% last year. So it, it was it was bad. At this point, you have Schroeder who doesn't want to be there. And at least new faces in new places, maybe this helps him out. In the end, Carmelo finally gets bought out after this whole fiasco. And he gets to go where he wants. We all think it's probably going to be the Rockets that we were talking about last time. But the Miami Heat are still in consideration with Dwayne Wade. The Lakers are out, I would say. But... Uh, I'd say the Lakers still have a chance, but yeah, I'd say the... I said it last time. I'm going to say it again. He wants to be a Houston Rocket. That's it. So, yeah. uh, But the, the trade, though, the Hawks and Thunder, this possible trade, yeah, Dennis Schroeder, if he gets traded to the Thunder, he's probably the best backup point guard in the NBA, but I don't think that Schroeder and Westbrook can really play together that much, so then you're essentially trading for Dennis Schroeder, who's making $15.5 for each of the next three seasons to be... You're back a point guard who plays 10, 12 minutes per game. Yeah. Um, and it also doesn't help. Part of why the Thunder wanted to get rid of Carmelo Anthony was because they wanted to lessen their luxury tax bill. Well, if you're trading Carmelo Anthony to the Hawks, I believe the Hawks are pretty close to up against the salary cap after the trades that they made this offseason. So the salaries would have to come pretty close to matching. So they're not going to be saving too much money in luxury tax. But, they, this I mean, is they a Kawhi Leonard situation. They just want to get rid of a toxic player. That's it. They just want to get rid of a yeah. toxic player and move well, on. I, they also obviously want to save some money. Right now they're on track to have the largest... They want assets. Is what, they, what, what, they said it, what they said is they want assets, is the Hawks. And yes, of course, the Thunder want to cut this down, but it's the same situation for them. They want to get rid of Carmelo now, just like the Hawks want to get rid of Schroeder. This seems like the quickest they way could to buy him out get out too. of the deal. They could buy him out today. He's going to end up getting bought out anyways, but I think this seems like the best deal for each team, at least getting something in this. And if that may be receiving something or finally getting rid of something, at least they're both benefiting in some way. So I actually like this idea, and I really want yeah. to get this done. Well, it definitely, it definitely works for the Hawks because you get rid of Dennis Schroeder who's kind of been a problem. You have yeah. Trey Young who's going to be your next point guard. And then if you can get – I mean, they have to get at least one first-rounder out of taking on Carmelo's contract. But, um, yeah, it definitely works for them. 
Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, let's move on to Jimmy Butler, someone we talked about again last podcast who wasn't happy with Carl Anthony Towns and the setup in Minnesota, wasn't interested in signing a contract extension. Funny thing is, one week later, they actually offer him this contract extension, try and convince him to stay, and he denies it. And he declines the contract, does not want to be there. We, of course, asked you guys a poll, uh, a lot of questions about where you guys thought he would be, at least in the beginning of training camp. But really, it's just a surprise like that they haven't traded him already. The fact that they would try and go out and offer him an extension after he publicly doesn't want to be there and just doesn't like Carl Anthony Towns. Or who, Andrew Wiggins. Who they're reportedly in contract extension talks with Carl Anthony Towns. So clearly he's not with that young core and he doesn't want to be there for the long term. I'm, I'm just honestly surprised. And now at this point, you know that he's going to have to be traded at some point. But we asked you guys, what team do you think Jimmy Butler will be on to start training camp? 43% of you guys said the Timberwolves. 28% said Lakers. 9% said 76ers. And 20% said other. So 43% of you guys said the Timberwolves. I agree. They're going to wait on this until they can find the best package possible. But he's clearly not happy. And I'd be surprised if the Timberwolves made the playoffs again. I think they're going to be on the wrong side of the 8-9 flip like the Nuggets were last year, and they're going to be right outside it. And it's because they're also not, on top of having a team that I think's just good enough to maybe slip in, they're going to have an unmotivated Jimmy Butler. And he's not going to want to be there. And Carl Anthony Towns clearly has some issues, so maybe he might not be the best town to be recruiting for free agents in the future if they saw how Jimmy Butler spun out of there so quickly. I don't know. I think this is bad news for Minnesota. I think it's good news for Jimmy Butler. I think they're going to have to trade him at some point, or else they're going to get nothing in return for him. So... I'm not surprised about this, and I think expect some trade rumors from us on our Twitter within the next week about where Jimmy Butler may or may not be landing. Yeah, it's definitely bad news for the Timberwolves. I'd, I'd be surprised if he's on the Timberwolves to start training camp because the longer they hold on to him, some teams, if they might think that he might just be a rental, then it just becomes a shorter rental, so they're going to get less back. If they feel like they should trade him, and I think they should since he made it clear he doesn't want to be there long term, they should look to trade him right now. I don't really know right now what team. I'm not going to predict what team he might end up on. Lakers. I think. Uh, I mean, the Lakers make sense, uh, but they weren't too quick to try to trade for Kawhi Leonard. So now, the package that they'd offer for Jimmy Butler, who's a lesser player, still a great player, but obviously not as good as Kawhi Leonard. I'm sure that package isn't going to be probably what the Timberwolves are hoping for. Um, I think there were some reports linking Jimmy Butler and. Kyrie Irving to maybe yeah, sign with the, the same Knicks. team next offseason. They're reportedly really good friends. Yeah, go. Uh, get, I think they're going to go to the Knicks. That was going to be my prediction. Next yeah, year I was going to say the Knicks or the Nets have been rumored too. They could make some sense. I'm just thinking who yeah. the Nets yeah. could really offer and all I can really think is maybe D'Angelo Russell. No, I think the Nets would be the team that would benefit if he made it through the whole season or got traded to a bad situation. The Nets are going to have two max slots available next year yeah. because Sean Marks is a genius. So the Nets, look out for them in the next few years too. Um, I'm going to move on from this. I have some LeBron James news I just wanted to bring up. Uh, LeBron James on his recently released 98 rating on NBA 2K19, he joked around, said, that rating ain't so bad for such an old head. No, it's not. 98's great, and there's the first look image of him in a Lakers jersey. I'm showing Christian right now. It's it's a beauty. I'll tell you that right yeah, now. Yeah, it's on our Twitter page. You yeah, can find check it. it out on our Twitter page. Another thing that we tweeted about LeBron James this past week, LeBron James and his production company, Spring Hill Entertainment, secured a deal with Paramount Players to produce a comedy film. A screenwriter, Steve Mallory, has already been working on a script for the pro- proposed film. 
James is also in negotiations to be one of the head actors. So this goes on to Magic Johnson laying down a blueprint for LeBron James to not just come here and be a superstar and one of the Los Angeles Lakers greats, but to be an icon in Los Angeles and to continue to further his career beyond basketball. And now he's going to star in a movie. Of course, there's those rumors about Space Jam 2. He can be in that also. And now he, it's a, he already has a production company. He's already one of the lead investors in Blaze Pizza. I think it's pretty much he him. He owns 10%. Yeah, he, he's one of the head investors in mm-hmm. there. And it's really this awesome to see him going and doing all these things and now he's in LA and he's got the right platform he's going to be starring in this movie Mm -hmm. and it's him and his production company pairing with Paramount players which is a big deal I think this is great LeBron James is showing another reason why he should be in LA and why why free agents should all come to LA and why it goes right back to it's a business whatever fits you best as a player and as a person you move on you go where you need to go and I think it was a great decision by him not just as a Laker fan but as you know, looking at him progressing past his NBA career and really nailing himself as an icon, I think he's doing all the right moves right now. LeBron James for the win. LeBron James for president. I can't wait for LeBron <laughs> to be uh, an icon in this city yeah, for the next 20, 30 years. Mayor at the very least if we can't go president. But let's move on to Summer League, guys. Las Vegas just ended. Unfortunately, we were all supposed to go together, but with a num- number of factors with... Me and some of our other friends, we couldn't make it. It just ended up falling apart. But Corbin at least got to still go. Um, He went out with his girl. It was Corbin's birthday not too long ago, so happy belated to uh, one of the hosts here uh, Unwrapped. Yeah, but he had a great time in Vegas. He went and actually got to see one of the playoff Laker games. I think you said a half of another game as well against the Pistons. Yeah, so that was a a game that they won. Raptors got to see how that Colin Saxon looks really good. Yes, he does. Yeah, he looks very impressive. So let's start with who impressed the most. It doesn't have to just be one player. Let's kind of just talk, guys, about who really caught your eye in Summer League. You know, there might be a couple of sleepers here, Mm -hmm. but we have a lot of expectations going to Summer League. We expect people to... Show up, and it's sad when players kind of start ben- or sorry, teams kind of start benching these players towards the end of summer league when they've already seen enough. So when you kind of go into the end of summer league, you sometimes don't see some of these stars unless you're being competitive in summer league like the Lakers are for the last couple of years. But who really impressed you the most, at least in the time that you got to see? Uh, I'm going to ask Christian first. Is there one person so far that's stood out to you the most and really jumped off the page? Oh, Kevin Knox. I cannot wait to see him in regular season play with Kristaps Porzingis and Frank T. Lakina. He just, he looked like a grown man out there. I know Summer League, uh, some uneducated people would say that it, it, you can't take it seriously, but there are NBA players out there, and when he was going against them, he looked like a man amongst, ma, a man amongst boys. So, and he's very young. And he, yeah, he's at, I think, 18, 19 years old. 18. Uh, he's 18 years old. He was averaging 21.3 points per game in the Las Vegas Summer League, which is like the main tournament uh, of Summer League. He was averaging 6.5 rebounds, 2.3 assists per game, and he was averaging one steal. That was another thing that I, I uh, don't start my uh, new job until next week, so I was able to watch, you know, I'm being unemployed <laughs> for this week. I was able to watch all of these games, especially the Lakers. He played such hellacious defense that I think, he could be a two-way star, and that is something that is super, super important the to the NBA. The only thing that surprised me, not really surprised me, maybe a little bit of concern, he shot 35% from field. He was shooting a ton. 
And but you all are talking about the fact that look at the talent that he had surrounding him on this team and the games that he did play because they shut him down at some point. Mm-hmm. He really had to hold that team on himself. But he did shoot a lot, and thirty five percent isn't this isn't thirty five percent from three. This is thirty five percent from field. I will say though, when the crunch time, especially during the Laker game, he turned it on from three and hit four in a row. And he brought back the Lakers were up seventy five to fifty, and he spearheaded a lead at the end of the third quarter. It was tied seventy eight seventy eight. He led a twenty five point comeback against the Lakers and put them in a shot to win the game. Unfortunately, uh, well, fortunately for the Laker fans, they lost uh, mostly because of Josh Hart. But when uh, no, because of Sfi Mikhailu, he yeah, he, oh wow, but he he stands out to me. Uh, another guy I'll get to a Colin Sexton. He's so young. You add him to that Knicks team with Kurt Snaps. You know, you talked about Jimmy Butler and Kyrie Irving possibly coming along. You could have a super team in New York. And New York is an amazing basketball city that has been so underserved now, for here, so many years. Here's the reason why I have confidence in New York. It's David Fisdale, 100%. the coach that they brought on. You, know, you know how high I've been on David Fisdale. He's a player's coach. He's super smart. He's going to be the guy that takes them out of NBA purgatory and brings them back into the playoffs. I'm not saying this year. It may not be this year. But within the next year or two, possibly three, this is going to be a successful team. And David Fisdale is exciting, and they continue to draft well. It must just be about Knicks fans. Oh, first off, Knicks fans, you guys need to chill. When you guys draft players, stop booing. Stop booing okay? Because you're <laughs> raw. You just keep looking like idiots. No, I think they boo now, hoping that just player like, was really but good. But boo at home. Like, don't send your idiot fans to the draft who are going to boo on camera. Because Seriously. you guys are doing a good job. You guys got Christoph Porzingis when everyone said mm-hmm. it was a stupid idea because it was a project pick, which it was, and look how that worked out. And Kevin Knox, one of the youngest players in the draft, and he shows up and destroys Summer League. So why don't you guys Kind of just like do a slow clap and Phil Jackson's gone. Chill yeah, out, you, know? you guys need to relax. That's just my PSA for Knicks fans today. You need to tone down the emotions. But I'm I'm going to tell you guys someone who excites me. And okay, let me just say Colin Sexton, who you just mentioned. I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. He may be the rookie of the year this year. Why? Because he's going to have such volume on the Cavs. He is an NBA ready point guard. No, Colin Sexton. Oh, Colin Sexton. Yeah, no, Colin Sexton. He's going to be Rookie of the Year consideration because of the kind of volume he has. No, Kevin Knox isn't because he's not going to – yes, the Knicks are going to need him to produce at a high level, but with Chris Stapps there and with the team that they have, I don't see him putting up quite Rookie of the Year numbers. He may be in consideration, but this is where Colin Sexton is going to have a time to seriously shine. Maybe his field goal percentage may not be as encouraging as you think because he's going to have to put a ton on his back, especially in the beginning. But he's going to be exciting, and he's going to grow with Larry Nance, you know, Clarkson, all of these guys, Rodney Hood, if they decide to bring him back. This team, they're not going to be winning, no. The Cavs are not going to make the playoffs this year. But I really think Colin Sexton is going to do a very good job. Shetty Osman and Zizek both looked amazing in Summer League. Let's just say that. They looked so good that they had to stop them at some point after, I believe, three games. they just seen enough. Seti Osman, I believe he was on the first team summer league too. I'll announce those in a second. But Shai Gilgis Alexander, guys, on the Clippers. This is my guy. I can't stop talking about him. I loved him before the draft because of how long he is. He may have been the best player on Kentucky this year. It's really a toss-up between him and Kevin Knox, who didn't get to show everything that he got. He was so young. And on that Kentucky team, both of these players... You know, deserved better in my opinion. But Shai Gildas Alexander is an NBA-ready point guard. His size, the fact that he's such a menace on offense and defense. He's so long, he controls the pace. Watching him play, not against the Lakers because they didn't play him against the Lakers when they got to crunch time for playoffs. 
So this was they sat him at that point. I saw the game before that. He was beautiful. This the way he was playing. He averaged 19 points a game, 46% from the field, 4.8 rebounds, 4 assists, 2.3 steals and a block. He's completely dominating on both ends of the floor and this is playing with the talent that he's playing with in summer league. He's going to be extremely exciting. Jerome Robinson, the guy they picked right after him, we were all shocked that they went with him as a lottery pick. I'm still shocked, but he didn't play bad. He played pretty well as, you know, pretty well on top of Gillis Alexander. But when you look, he definitely at, didn't stand out like oh, he did. Oh my God, I can't stop talking about him. He may or may not be on an all rookie NBA team this year because the point guard class is actually really good. When you look at it, I think it's going to be you know Luka Doncic and you know Trey Young's be putting up a lot of numbers and Colin Sexton. So who knows? Shagulis Alexander may sneak in there and be the second team All Rookie point guard, but he may be the best long term point guard in this league. And the well, fact for the in, for the All Rookie team, so there's no positions associated with. Oh, is there not? Oh, that, that's actually something I didn't know. I thought it was going to be set up just like the All Pro teams. But yeah, yeah, no, for rookie, it's just the time. Okay, pass. so yeah, at that point, look out for Shai Gilgis. Sorry, Shai Gilgis Alexander. It it's is a lot of mouthful. Yeah, so look out for him this year. But it really, it's just the way he plays and the fact that he can learn from Patrick Beverly on that team on how to become one of the best defensive point guards in the league and learn, you know, controlling the pace, being there with a guy like Avery Bradley, who also is a defensive menace. This is going to be a very good defensive team. So look out for the Clippers to be top three to top five in defensive efficiency. Maybe their offense may not jump off the boards to you guys this year, but the Clippers are going to be a team to look out for, at least starting to build an identity. They didn't blow this draft. It was worth it going and trade, honestly trading for Shai Gildas-Alexander because the Hornets were smart and drafted him the pick before so that they forced the Clippers to actually give up some sort of asset while still end up getting their guy, Miles Bridges. But regardless, the Clippers saw something in this guy. Jerry West knows a good guard when he sees one. We've talked about that in the past. I can't stop talking about him. I'm going to stop now because I'm getting annoying. But Shai Gilgis Alexander, look out for him. Uh, Corbin, is there anyone that stepped up for you? I got another. I got someone else I want to talk about also, but I want to hear if there's someone that really jumped off the page. Yeah, I got quite a few. Um, I agree with you guys completely with Colin Sexton and Kevin Knox. Perry, you mentioned with Kevin Knox how he shot 35% from the field. With me, what I'm looking for more than Summer League, it kind of varies depending on if it's an 18 or 19 year old kid versus someone who played four years in college and is 22 years old um with kevin knox being as young as he is i'm not as concerned about what his performance is overall over the course of the entire tournament as i am just seeing little flashes of what he can become because as young as he is you have to think that as he continues to grow and get better he's going to eventually turn those little flashes into just his everyday game um so, so kevin knox really showed something for me super quick let me inter- let me interject someone on twitter said kevin knox is going to be this year's jason tatum and as much as i was like yo kind of pumped the brakes because jason tatum is you know how high i am on him he's special he's yeah. going to be a long-term amazing player but it also kind of resonated with me out of any player out of this draft how the age is really similar and Kevin Knox's upside, I think yeah. it's a, actually a yeah, pretty I good comparison. Yeah, I can I think see it, that completely. Yeah. Um, and then with Colin Sexton, he looked incredible too, and he is just so fast with the ball. Um, he looks like a I wide receiver to, out there. It's, it's really his competitiveness. His live. Sorry, what were you saying, Christian? 
Uh, I said he looks like a starting wide receiver out there. And it's really about his competitiveness. If you see him out there, he's oh, yeah. got that eye of the tiger. No, he, he's a dog. He's a dog on defense. Dog on offense, too. Oof. But, I mean, because I got to see him play live, and I don't think that watching on TV does justice just to how fast he is. It's ridiculous. He is an animal. Um, Wendell Carter Jr. is someone who I know we were talking about him before the podcast started a little bit about the Bulls' young core going into the future. He looked really good. He has some really yes. nice post moves. He can yes. stretch the floor. Um, I have to talk about Wendell Carter Jr. when you're okay. done. So when you're done with that, okay. that was another one of my okay, guys. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just a few other guys that I were really impressed with. Um, Lonnie Walker looked really good with the Spurs. We were kind of surprised that he slipped number 18. Um, but he yes. played pretty well for the Spurs. Zaire Smith, to a lesser degree, I think with him it was more just his athleticism that really shown th- showed through um, throughout summer league, and I think that he has the potential to be a really good player. He's another one. I think he was one of, if not the youngest. Yeah, player he was. In this he was draft. top top three. Um, and then I just have to talk about Mo Wagner for a second because I flipped not completely with him, but. He looked a lot better in the summer league when he was healthy. He injured his knee um, a few games in, but when he was healthy, he still wasn't the shooting shooting the ball great, uh, but he showed some really good post moves, the ability to finish with either hand, and defensively, I think, was the biggest plus for me looking at him just a lot more mobile and agile on defense than I thought he would be. He still is obviously a concern on the defensive end, but not to the same extent that I thought he would be. Uh, Mitchell Robinson, who the Knicks snagged in the second round, he looks really good i think he was he averaging does. a double double in summer league he averaged four blocks it's, per it's game. he looks so just, raw there's there's one thing i noticed yeah. about mitchell robinson the one thing he needs, does need to work on is asserting himself when i did watch him in two summer league games he would position well but not fight on the block the way that you would hope for and kind of just get overpowered by the defender and just give up because he doesn't have proper position he didn't have the ability to reposition himself and take a different angle and try and repost up and regain you know the power in that scenario he kind of was a little bit passive in that because someone they kept trying to force the ball into him once he got hot and he started getting overpowered by the defender because they just knew they were going to him and he didn't have any alternative moves but he was going to be amazing on the pick and roll he's going to be such an athletic presence he's shown that no matter how young he is and that he doesn't have a lot of experience he's going to be a high flyer he's going to be so nice on the alley-oops when it's going to be getting from timmy hardaway jr any of these guys he's such an athletic presence to bring off your bench and add those rebounds and really be able to add that hustle down the floor but he just needs to really get a little bit tougher on the block. That's what I've noticed. Yeah. He needs to be able, yes, you're going to get overpowered by some of these NBA bigs over and over and over again, but you're going to have to continue to fight back over and over and over again and reposition and reposition and find alternative ways until you become the dominant guy or until you find ways to outsmart these guys or at least you know you get the ball. One thing I noticed about Wendell Carter Jr., let me just talk about him when I'm moving from that. He had the ability to catch the ball in the post after positioning well. He saw that he didn't have everything that he wanted on one game that I watched. He didn't. He had the ball. He had the position. It just wasn't exactly what he wanted. He was a little bit higher on the post. He threw the ball right back out to the three-point line, exactly who just fed him the ball, repositioned at a better angle, asked for the ball right back. He got the ball back within three or four seconds. He just wanted to reposition. He overpowered him, spun, 
ended with a dunk. It was one of those, you saw how, how high his IQ was, you saw how he's able to manipulate the post, and you weren't able to see a lot from Duke because of the late addition of Marvin Bagley Jr., because I think we're forgetting that Wendell Carter Jr. was such a high recruit coming out of high school. He was supposed to be the star of this Duke team, and bringing on Marvin Bagley at the end, he took a different role. And sh But the thing is, I think Wendell Carter Jr. is going to be possibly the best NBA player in this draft. His game is so fluent for the NBA. He, The way he's able to pick and pop, the way his three-point game translated, his shot is so fluent for a big guy. I said it when I, in our pre-draft process. I love him and the fact that his feet are quick, his hands are big, he's got the reach, he's got the toughness, he's able to run the floor, and his defensive presence is what really stands out because he was averaging you know, 0.8 steals, which isn't bad for a center, but he's averaging 2.6 blocks. Blocks, and he's able to adjust shots midair, and he's able to really switch on the ball. And one thing that noted popped out to me the most is that he was able to stay with guards. When he switched on top of the perimeter, he was able to stay with them for at least three or four dribbles, actually contest them all the way to the basket with no need for help. He was able to his feet were quick enough and his length was able to make up even if he was you know behind on one step. One play I remember he was chasing a point guard who had one step on him. He tried to go up and under, and he was able to recover and block the shot just because of how long he is. Everything I saw about Wendell Carter Jr. I liked. I've said it in the pre-process for our draft. I'm going to say it again now. I think he might be the best NBA player. I'm not saying he's going to win the rookie of the year or anything like that. I'm just saying long term, he's going to be great in this league. And another guy that's on the Bulls that no one obviously talks about, Antonio Blakeney. And he was the actually the G League rookie of the year last year and led the league in with in scoring. And so he had another chance at this at this summer league. He played every game, 21 points a game, 40%. 4.4 rebounds for a six-foot guard, 2.8 assists, and a steal. He's an absolute spark plug. Watching him on that team, that Wendell Carter actually wasn't playing too well on the last game that I saw, and when he, and they lost the game pretty bad. But if it wasn't for Antonio Blankany, they would have lost the game by 40 or 50 points. He was seriously the only reason why they were in that, and obviously the organization is decently high on him. He was the G League Rookie of the Year last year, led the entire G League in scoring. He's very... Corbin, I, I hate to put this comparison, but I feel like his hype in the G League is very Vander Blue. Do you feel me? So, like, just like how Vander Blue with the Lakers, they were very hype on him and the fact that he was, you know, G League MVP and they've tried to integrate him into the Lakers last year. He ended up getting waived. But I think this is going to work out better because of the Bulls, because they need help. And he knows that he's going to have to be a spark plug off the bench. So Wendell Carter Jr. and him, I really like them both for the Bulls. A lot. So watch out for the two of them actually having. Yeah, Blake me needs to hope that he's a little bit better than Vander Blue. Vander Blue was okay, but um, right, but you get what I mean with just the yeah, same no, amount of G League hype. Um, really quickly though, going back to Mitchell Robinson, I completely agree. He needs to get stronger. He's still eighteen, nineteen years old, so he's going to get stronger as he matures. Um, I mean, right now he he was averaging a double double in summer league with, as you said, extremely raw, really no offensive game other than just getting rebounds, putbacks, and dunks, but because he is so long and so athletic, he can do that, and if he never develops an offensive game, he can still be a really impactful center, kind of taking a similar role to what we see DeAndre Jordan doing in the NBA right now. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think that he's going to be a very impactful player. The Knicks hit a home run twice in the draft with Kevin Knox and Mitchell Robinson. I agree. And then one more time going back to the Lakers with Svee Mikhailuk with the 47th pick in the draft. Um, he showed stuff. I, 
I thought that he was just a shooter, um, and that's what a lot of other people thought, too. I agree. He showed an ability to play defense, um, more athletic than I thought that he was. Not not the best athlete in the world, but at least an average to a little bit above average athlete. Um, his shooting, obviously, but then also his playmaking for others. There were a few times when he'd grab a rebound, push it down the floor himself, go coast to coast and do a Euro step and or this something. Is, this is the thing, Corbin. With him, he played four years at Kansas, am I correct? Yeah. The thing yeah, is, he's he's only, he's only 20, 20, years 20 years old. He's 20 years old because he graduated high school at 16 and went to Kansas. This is something I talked about when we drafted him. That's an awesome story. You're that ahead of your game. He has four years of college experience at one of the top programs in the country, but you're 20 years old. So you you meet NBA teams halfway with the whole look at his production, is he NBA ready, and his potential and his you know floor and his ceiling. You look at all those when you draft a player – He's kind of the perfect mix of it all because he's got the college experience. He's still not 22 years old. He's 20, still has upside. He's still oh, growing. Yeah. He just turned 21 in June. Okay, yeah, so just, turned, but you get what I'm saying. Four years at college and what you just are able to drink when you graduate, you graduate and you're just able to buy alcohol for yourself. That shows how young and advanced you are. Clearly why he's an NBA prospect. And the Lakers saw, obviously, they wanted to put the right kind of prospects around LeBron James. Having guys who can spread the floor, have that competitive edge, and are more than just shooters, though. You saw with Mo Wagner, it was Mo Wagner and you saw with Svi Mikhailuk, they both have the competitive presence to be a leader. Wagner going down partway through Summer League, but... The two of them were a huge reason why they were so successful this summer league. Of course, Josh Hart, who we're going to talk about in a second, and they both earned themselves deals. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So uh, let's let's just bring up Josh Hart since uh, you touched on him briefly. So Josh Hart obviously won the summer league MVP. Very had impressive. A rough outing last night against the Trailblazers, but overall, he was clearly the MVP. Let's clarify that the MVP decision was made after the the last game, not the finals. It was made before the finals. Before the last game. Yeah. Um, So let's just talk really quickly about Josh Hart and do we think that he's shown enough in summer league? Do we think, not just that he's shown enough, but do we think that he's good enough to where he will be the starting shooting guard for the Lakers this next season instead of Kentavious Caldwell-Pope? Game one, no. Throughout the season, yeah. If he shows you the same kind of competitiveness and the same kind of productivity he did at the end of last season and through Summer League, why not? KCP's on a one-year deal. We all can look at each other and say he's probably not going to be a Laker next year unless he wants to take some sort of vet men deal. So having Josh Hart in there, if he's playing anywhere near the level of KCP is, you need to put him in there because you can develop him. He's 23 years old. He just did his last Summer League. He won MVP. He did kind of look like a man amongst boys on there. Granted, he is a little bit older than a lot of the guys that are out there. But he showed the leadership to be someone who starts in the NBA. I'm not saying someone who leads the team. This is a guy who played very well last year, too. There was a string that he was averaging a double-double for rebounds and points for a guy who's in the mid-six-foots. He's not anything tall. Mm -hmm. He's just a competitor. He's a bulldog on defense. He's a competitor. He won national championship. He's... You know, come came from a good program. Mm-hmm. He's came in a really good draft class with the Lakers. They're super tight knit. They're best friends. And I know that people say, "Does that matter?" I think it really does. At least with this core, a problem that it's a good problem to have. Kentavious Caldwell Pope is a good player to have because of the fact that he has the same representation as LeBron, and he's a perfect two way player in this year's and M- this 
today's NBA. But Josh Hart is, is as well. So really, at this point, Josh Hart's going to be on the team for a long time. You can start KCP at first, like you said, Christian. And segue him in. But you got to get Josh Hart in there at some point. Yeah, he could be the sixth man for them, be that spark plug. And, you know, he, he's the type of player that wouldn't mind proving physically throughout the season that he deserves to start. And then yeah. when he is ready, he will take those reins. I agree. I wouldn't be surprised to see Josh Hart take six man over Rondo, over Stevenson, over so a lot of the guys. The Lakers are going to be deep. Well, Kuzma, no, Kuzma, Kuzma as well. Kuzma. Yeah, there's Kuzma too. Josh all Hart, I'm saying. Josh Hart will be the first guard off the bench, I would assume. Yeah, I mean, that's if they don't swap him and KCP. I think, if anything, he has the best chance because we, we're so deep on forwards. But for yeah. shooting guard, you know, Contavious Caldwell, Pope, and him are really the answer I easily that. see it. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Christian, I agree with you. I think KCP starts the season at the starting shooting guard spot, and I think some of that is just he has a leg up on Josh Hart being with clutch sports just like LeBron. Um, you give him that $12 million deal, so you want every chance for him to succeed. But Josh Hart, 6'5", 225, he is built really well, and he knows how to use his physicality really well. Perry, you mentioned his rebounding numbers. He was one of the best rebounding guards in the NBA when he was starting for the Lakers. In the time frame when Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart were both starting for the Lakers, they didn't qualify because they didn't start enough games together, but if they had done what they were doing over the course of the whole season, they would have been the best rebounding backcourt in the NBA, and it wouldn't have even been close. Um, after the All-Star break last year, I believe Josh Hart's numbers were somewhere around 14 points per game, seven rebounds per game, uh, shot 47% from the field, I think around 42% from three. He only averaged around one and a half or two assists per game. He's not he's not a great playmaker for others, um, but he doesn't have to be. Lakers have Lonzo, they got yeah. Rajon Rondo, they got LeBron, they got yeah. Lance Stevenson. They have enough playmakers. They need shooters. Josh Hart's a shooter. KCP is a shooter too. So I agree they're in a really good and, position. And Svima oh, Kailuk, who got himself a contract also. He's yeah. going to play a vital role yeah, shooting guard also. Definitely going into training camp, I think that he's given himself at least the ability to be in the discussion of he might need to be in the rotation just because of what he's been able to show. We'll see how he does. Playing I, I think he'll see minutes. I totally think he'll see minutes. Again, no he benefits from the fact that shooting guard is the weakest position, and they drafted him for a reason. He's been one of the pleasant surprises for this draft. I'm going to ask you guys a question. Which player outside the top 10 for this draft do you think it probably is the best chance of winning rookie of the year? Like Donovan Mitchell last year, the surprise that he was outside the top 10, right at the tail end of the lottery. You saw the kind of player that he is generational even he's at least for scoring he's going to be the you know the face of the utah jazz for a long time who do you give the chance to be the next donovan mitchell christian to me it would have to be lonnie walker what i saw out of him in summer league and like you said earlier the amount of volume that i expect him to get i think that that crosses perfectly with the guy outside of the top 10 to win rookie of the year he just he can get to the basket so well. I know they were tweeting out videos of his handles. He was yeah, just they tweeted one out. isoing people and just got right to the basket. I would yeah. I would be hard pressed if I ever had to guard someone like that. So DeMar DeRozan is going to be quite a mentor for him too. So I you know I, I you know I said the Spurs should go to a rebuild earlier. You know that's one of the guys before they had traded Kawhi Leonard that would make me excited about a rebuild because if you add two other young players around him and they build a young core, two three years they could be a super team. Like I think Lonnie Walker will project as a star and with Greg Popovich in three years. Maybe he is like a quadler. Maybe he is a surprise superstar. Yeah, I agree. Corbin, who do you think is going to be the best chance for outside the top ten? I want to say someone else besides Lonnie Walker, just so that we can have more of a discussion. (laughs) But, I mean, Lonnie Walker showed that he was 
<laughs> he was by far the best of anyone outside of the top ten. I agree with you that his handles are ridiculous. Um, and also, I mean, the Spurs trading Danny Green along with Kawhi Leonard. Which, yes, they have. Which is good. Mark DeRozan. I think DeRozan's going to be the starting shooting guard. Rudy Gay will be the starting small forward. But yeah. that doesn't mean... I still think they're going to be leaning heavily on Lonnie Walker. And I think that he's going to produce a lot for them. I don't think he'll end up being Rookie of the Year. Um, but if I have to choose someone outside of the top ten, I think Lonnie Walker's the clear choice. What do you think, Barry? Why are you guys so wrong? It's Shy Gilgis Alexander. I'm going to say it again over and over and over and over again until you guys get it. He is outside the top ten. And he's the guy that if anyone's going to win Rookie of the Year this year, it's going to be him. On this Clippers team, yes, they're a good team. But I think the Spurs are going to be better than the Clippers. I'd give them that. And the fact that they just traded for DeMar DeRozan, not, I think it's going to be the best situation for Lonnie Walker learning under DeMar DeRozan. But I think he's going to take away some of that volume that I continue to talk about. So, yeah, Colin Sexton's probably going to win Rookie of the Year. But he's in the top ten, obviously. I really think it's going to be Shai Gilgis-Alexander if it isn't him. And that's just because he can really take a leadership role. He's NBA-ready. His body's ready. Yes, he's young, and he's got just so much potential. But if I have to make any, anybody outside, it's not even a question. Shai Gilgis-Alexander, and I'm going to get that say that name over and over again until I say it like a song. But uh, <laughs> All right, guys. So, yeah, I mean, Summer League was super fun. Of course, the Lakers falling short of back-to-back championships, but the first franchise in Summer League history to have back-to-back MVPs. Uh, There were only, I read a stat that there's actually, in the past two years over that span, out of every NBA team, they've only had one player score over 30 points. That's the maximum that any team in the NBA has had during Summer League. The Lakers have had four, being Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, and Svima Kailuk, all scoring at least 30 points in at least one game in Summer League. You know, in that span, every single team's only had one. Lakers have four, and they've won. Wow. Went to the championship, and Svi Mikhailuk, I believe he was zero for five or zero for six from three to start the game. He was zero from probably eight for to start the game for field goal. You saw if he brought the same numbers as he did prior, they were the best you know summer league team. But the Trailblazers were actually stacked for that summer league team. If you didn't check out that roster, go check it out. They're actually really stacked for that summer league team. But you know, the Lakers it just shows right there, and Josh Hart's really carving out a role for himself. I have a lot of confidence in the Lakers. And the thing is, I love that the Lakers have made Summer League more relevant. I love that they have such a fan base that goes there. And I hope that that continues to spread across the league. I hope that people continue to value, you know, the platform that they have. And Christian and I keep talking about how important it truly is. And the Summer League has grown. This is the first year that all 30 teams were in attendance. Yes. Every single one had a Summer League team. And that has to signal that Summer League is more... Important, and uh, we ha- we had someone who told us in the past that summer league doesn't matter. When I looked back, wasn't LeBron James watching Lonzo Ball and Young Kyle yes. Kuzma last year at summer league? No matter what, if you're putting on a jersey for your team, somebody's you watching. are representing Some- your team. Somebody's watching. Exactly. Free agency is what in another 355 <laughs> days. You know, so you, you need to get ahead of the ball on this. And that's what Magic Johnson did. That's why the Lakers got LeBron James without having to get any other superstar without tampering. Let's just without, make that well. Clear. I mean, we did get charged. You know. <laughs> Magic did pay some fines. Right, let's uh, just really quick on free agency. I wanted to end this podcast by letting you guys know at least some of the free agents that are still available. You know, Clint Capella's situation is still up in the air, being a restricted free agent. Dwayne Wade's still out there. Vince Carter, 
he's been the voice of a lot of these summer league games, being on the sidelines co and doing commentary. But I'd love to see him continue to play. He definitely wants to. Um, Montrezl Harrell, Rodney Hood, who's restricted, Michael Beasley, Greg Monroe, Brandon Wright, Alex Len, Jaleel Okafor, who put out a video and actually looks in fit, actually looks like he's playing well, but who he's, knows? He's added a shot yeah, to his game. He added a shot. Who knows? Tony Allen, Joe Johnson, Nick Young, Swaggy P. So a lot of these guys are still out there that can help your team. No more game changers out there. I think with Marcus Smart out of there now, Clint Capella is the last person that I would say is really going to make a huge difference. But Michael Beasley is coming off a great year last year. Dwayne Wade, Vince Carter, you know, they're both still players, yes, at the end of their careers, but can still add a lot of veteran presence to your team. I see Dwayne Wade going back to Miami. It's just... You know, Tony Allen is a guy who I love. So these are a lot of guys that if your team signs them, be excited. They're going to add a lot, and you're going to get them at a very discounted rate because of how dry the market is this year and because they had to wait so long. But yeah, there are now we're this far into free agency. Exactly, and there's, there still is talent out there. So definitely, you know, keep your guys' eye out for that. Uh, continue to follow us on Twitter, guys. We're all over free agency, all over anything that's going on right now. The Kawhi Leonard trade that happened at who knows what time. Corbin was up last night tweeting. Christian was up early this morning tweeting. I woke up midday was tweeting. One of us is always on it, no matter what the situation. And our podcast has been so fun lately. You know, so much going around the NBA. Coming into next season, it's just loving to see how this is all going to shake up. Really, the only domino left to fall, Carmelo Anthony. So we're going to really keep an eye on him. Of course, little things going on, like I just listed some of the free agents left, but this was really the last shakeup we were expecting for Kawhi. Look out for Carmelo and what's going to happen next with him. Please tune in next time, episode 31. Uh, thank you so much to our sponsor at freeagentsonly.com. Remember to check out our Twitter page and be one of the lucky contestants who is eligible for a free free agents only t-shirt a free free agent free, free agent only t-shirt yeah almost. definitely a couple co comma <laughs> splice or something but yeah definitely go answer that trivia question we don't really have a time limit on it but but we're gonna you know put it up right after this it's about three o'clock and pacific we just want coast pacific coast time we're trying to get this Kawhi Leonard news out so by tonight definitely try and answer that we're gonna pick someone at random uh we got guy shirts we got girl shirts multiple variety of colors so whoever you are please go on there get involved with us get involved with our sponsor they're amazing uh, we definitely love to send out this t-shirt to someone who's excited. But thank you guys so much again. Please make sure to listen to us on the Apple Podcast app. You can also check us out on SoundCloud. If you're on the Apple Podcast app, leave us a review, leave us a rating. But yeah, thank you guys so much. Just an exciting podcast covering Kawhi and Summer League and a lot of off-season news. Any last words you know, from you guys? Summer League matters. Summer League it's does important. matter. Yeah, and LeBron James for president. What about you, Corbin? Anything? <laughs> Yeah, summer league matters, and the whole summer matters. Last <laughs> summer we had the Kyrie trade in August. We got the uh, Kawhi trade in July. Right now, who knows? Maybe a Jimmy Butler trade's coming in August. Yeah, so it's, it's this off season. This off season is not close to coming to an end in terms of movement around the NBA. So I'm just excited to see what's going to be happening moving forward. Yeah, and it's it's hot. Stay cool out there, guys. All right, thank you guys so much for joining NBA Wrap, where we unwrap the hottest takes from around the NBA. We'll see you guys next time.